wish and maybe I'm blind Thinking I can see through this and see what's behind Got no way to prove it, so maybe I'm lying But I'm only human after all Hello and welcome to our very first uh, podcast episode called uh, Humans of Heritage. I am your host, Adam Gilfillan, and uh, some of my friends call me Jilly and a bunch of other names, but we'll just go with Adam for now. And uh, maybe you're, you're watching this and you're thinking, who in the world is Adam? Well, let me give you a brief backstory as to who I am before we continue on with our very first guest today. Um, I am a South Shore native, born and raised, uh, living in St. Bruno. Uh, and at some point in my life, I went to a school called Richelieu Valley Regional High School. And along that journey, I found myself changing high schools and coming to a school called McDonald Cartier Regional High School. Now, the interesting thing about both of those schools is that at one point after I graduated, they became one school known as Heritage. And uh, it's a, it's been a, a, an incredible journey for this school to have two schools merge and, and see a, an influx of students come into the school. Um, but one of the great things that has happened recently is, is that the, the school and the, the staff have felt the need to tell the stories of students and staff that attend here at Heritage, hence the name Humans of Heritage. If you don't know, there are um, over a thousand students, and we'll get more of the accurate numbers in just a moment, but more than a thousand students call this place home, and every one of those students have a story. I had the privilege just a couple of months ago to actually be here at Heritage to do a motivational talk about what's your story, and I was asked to to help tell the story of this school, and that's what we're going to start today with this project or this podcast called Humans of Heritage. We're going to bring to life the stories of each individual that calls this place their school. And so I'm so excited to be with you in this journey, and, and I hope you watch. I hope you share it. I hope along the way that you are encouraged by the people that make this place what it is. I'll tell you very quickly that when I first came here years ago now, 99 to 2000, I graduated in the year 2000. Hello to all my 2000 friends out there. Um, it was a foreign school to me. It was my first year and my last year at this school. It was foreign, but I felt home. And I was just saying before to our guests today that that, that one year absolutely changed my life. And I'm incredibly thankful for the opportunity I have uh, that I had to be here, but now that I have now to, to be able to share these stories. And so, again, I, I hope you join us on this journey and that you're encouraged, motivated, and that you desire to share your story. I believe with all of my heart that stories are meant to be told. And when you share your story, not only are you encouraging people to listen, but you're also encouraging people to tell their story. And that's our hope behind this. And so I hope you stay tuned and you and you join us again with this incredible journey. Now, on to my first guest. I, I'm so excited about my first guest today. Um, and I'm going to share a quick story about her in just a moment. But but it is my privilege to welcome uh, to our first podcast uh, the principal at Heritage, Miss Sujata Saha. Right? Yeah, I said it right. Yes, you did. Okay, excellent. Now, um, I told you this story, but for our guests and for our audience listening, uh, the story that comes to mind when I when I think of you first was that one year of school that I had at Heritage or at McDonald Cartier. Um, I was in your math class, and remind me of the of the of the grade that you taught in math, like or the five thirty six yeah, or five three six is five three six math. Now that is what we would call a smart math class, correct? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and uh, your 
opening speech that day in class was this. If you struggled last year in 436, you're going to do okay. If you try, if you work hard, you can pass. If you did well last year, you're going to be great. And I remember listening to you say that and thinking to myself, this is not good because I barely passed 416 last year. And so I put my hand up and I said, Miss, I... Um, I had a hard time passing 416. Now, usually in these moments, teachers uh, will offer some encouragement, but your words back to me were actually, you're probably going to fail. And uh, I never felt more excited. But no, truthfully, in that moment, I laughed because we both knew I did not belong in your class. Uh, I was only there on a scheduling error, and yeah. quickly it was changed, and it was my one and only time interacting with you. But um, over this last year, I've had an opportunity to get to know you through some emails, uh, and then thankfully you you had me come and speak to your your school just a couple of months ago. And uh, it's you know I've enjoyed our our email correspondence and getting to know you a little bit. But I'm really excited today to get to know who you are um, beyond just emails, but also for your students and maybe their parents to get to know you as well. Now, I will say to everybody who's watching, I know we are in a pandemic and we uh, don't have our masks on, but we are at the uh, accepted distance that has been outlined for schools to be able to have conversations like this. And that's why we do not currently have our masks on. Um, so uh, I'll call you Sue from now on, yeah, all right? You, we, we already Perfect. prearranged that, all right? So just give everybody an idea about your career in teaching, principal. When did it start? Were there other schools other than McDonald Carts slash Heritage? Just give me a bit of the journey along the way. So I didn't plan to become a teacher. Um, I went to uh, a school in our community called Centennial Regional High School. Uh, I was a very, very shy student, and I actually um, went to French elementary school. So only when I joined uh, Centennial in grade seven did I start learning English because I was very, very francophone. And... I was shy and I didn't have any friends because I had transitioned to the English sector. Um, so I went through high school and you could imagine it was torturous for me uh, in many ways. And I found um, comfort in band and in, in the badminton team. So that's where I found my sense of belonging in high school. And, you know, I, I did okay academically. And um, then I went on to CJEP in sciences. You know, when you do well academically, I, even nowadays, so many years later, it's it's almost like the, the given stream. So I went into pure and applied sciences in CJEP. Um, and after that, you know, what do I do? Do I pursue uh, something biochemistry or engineering? And I ended up um, getting accepted to Polytechnic in mechanical engineering. So I was okay to go back and do the the French thing. And um, at that point, I it's like I was missing what I had felt at Centennial, this sense of belonging, like I had this you know, want to be part of something. I didn't feel it in CJEP, but I just, you know, focused on my academics. And in engineering, very quickly, I was still focusing on academics, but I didn't, I was losing that motivation. Uh, and my my life changed and my whole career changed when um, uh, a coach from Centennial called uh, 
Mr. Cameron called me and said, Sujata, I'm, uh, I'm growing the badminton team and I need three people to come and help me coach because it's getting to be too much. Too many people are interested. Do you think you can get two friends to come with you? Uh, so I did after school, I went there and it was like a love at first sight wow. experience, you know, and I connected with kids. They were all high school age kids. They were 12 to 14. And um, I quickly dropped out of engineering, polytechnic, wow. uh, let all that go, applied to McGill and got into education. And that was it. Wow. And at that point, there was not a lot of jobs in the early 90s. Um I did my student teaching at St. FX and my, I did my second student teaching at McDonald Cartier and I was willing to, to teach anywhere. Wow. Location didn't matter. I applied in Ontario. I applied uh, all over Quebec and uh, I got nothing, no call back, nothing. So I came, uh, it was the day before school and I came to this school and I just dropped off my CV to be a substitute teacher. Because, you know, it was September and I needed employment and they called, the vice principal said, why don't you walk up to my office? She showed me three schedules. She says, pick the one you want. I picked the grade 11 schedule, the secondary fives. And she's like, you start tomorrow. Wow. Mr. Tommy, who was the then principal, came to see me, says, you know, you look fairly young. I was, I was only 22 at that time. He's like, you know, just make sure they always call you Miss Saha. Welcome to McDonald Cartier. And that was it. This became wow. my second home. Wow. So no, no other, other than you said St. FX, they had some teaching there a little bit. During your student school, teaching. Student yeah. teaching. So Cartier Heritage has been your life. It has been my life. Um, I taught math, uh, specifically grade 10, 11 math and pre-cal for many, many years, 18 years. And, you know, the classroom is, is the place I love the most yeah. to this day. There's nothing like it. Um, and circumstances uh, were that I was given an opportunity to become um, an IB coordinator, which gave me a part release. Yes. And at that point, I think people saw something that I never saw in myself, which was leadership qualities. Yeah. Like I said, I see myself as this shy human. And uh, the school board approached me and said, you know, we need a vice principal at Chambly Academy. Mm. Uh, you have the IB knowledge. It's an IB school. We'd like you to try it out. I'm like, vice principal, like, <laughs> I only know math. Like, yeah. give me a parabola or quadratic equation. I can do that. They said, no, no, we, we believe you can do it. So I cried a lot mm -hmm. because I did not want to leave my home. This was everything I've ever yeah. known, loved. I had it made. Um, I left for two years. Um, it was... A lot of learning, uh, but also a lot of, there's something about being pushed out of your comfort zone mm -hmm. that all of a sudden you, you're realizing, oh, I can do this yeah. and I can do this. Uh, so I was only there for two years. Then I came back here for four years as a vice principal. Wow. And then 
The same thing happened again. The the director general approached me and said, "We're moving you to Chambly Academy oh, wow. as principal." And it was then called as Saint Lambert International, the same school, the old Chambly County. Okay. And um, I became principal there for two years, and uh, then this job, you know, came open, and I felt that. You know, the the pull towards this building for me has always been strong. I know it sounds crazy, but there's something about this place. And I applied for the the position and came back. And uh, now this is my fourth year, and I hope to finish my career here. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, You can tell that I spent only one day in your class because you said about uh, parabola and uh, (laughs) something equation. I have no idea what those are, and so I'll just trust that they're math things. Um, So mainly math you taught? If so, I was going to ask you, what was your favorite grade to teach? And if there was a a specific subject that you love to teach, was it math? Was that all you taught or what else? Was I taught there? a bit of science because yeah. uh, I had a math and science degree. So I taught a bit of science, but I would say maybe 5% science and 95% math. Um, I loved grade 11 math. Yeah. Secondary five. I love those kids. You know, I love everything from, you know, they start and they get all mark focused for CJEP or whatever else is waiting for them after. And then you see this senioritis happen after the spring break. And then this kind of acknowledgement that, wow, we're about to leave this place. And, and on the last day of school, it's always been emotional for me because, you know, I know you get attached to these kids. There's no question. And you know that even if, if you, would want to, you, you can't hold on to them forever. You know they're going to go on, find their ways, do great things, but you're not going to be part of that yeah. anymore. So you you let them go and uh, and maybe one day you run into them and that's always great when that happens. Oh, that's awesome. So grade 11 you loved and you loved seeing that kind of send off. Um, Specifically for you, because you say you kind of just happened to fall into teaching, and and uh, and actually a side note, Mr. Cameron, the same Mr. Cameron who eventually went to RVR and was also the badminton coach there. It, feel, it feels like that's what jumped out at me. I'm like, I think I know who she's talking about because uh, I played badminton for one year at, at RVR. But um, but was there anybody? I know Mr. Cameron asked you to come and help out, but was there somebody along the way that you would say? was a, a motivation, somebody who kind of encouraged you to go after your dreams, whether that was teaching or someone else, something that you are extremely thankful for that pushed you out of a comfort zone into the things maybe that you're doing today or or a few years back when you first started teaching? You know, I had, uh, I, ha- I have two, I would say. I had my music teacher, uh, Mr. Long, who uh, was a, this very, very traditional teacher, but he he gave me, I think, the gift of, of confidence in myself, which I didn't have. You know, he said, you're going to be first flute. You're going to be the soloist. Like, you know, I didn't enjoy the spotlight. I wanted to go through high school uh, being more anonymous. But he gave me this confidence piece. And uh, 
my math teacher in grade 11, Miss Millington, okay. you know, she was no nonsense kind of math teacher, uh, but very encouraging in the sense of, uh, you know, asking me about all kinds of things, you know, do you have band practice after school? She knew stuff about me beyond mathematics. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> I exist beyond this classroom. And, and I remember that that really had an impact on me. That's awesome. I, you know, one of the things I always tell individuals is, especially in my motivational talks, is the idea of finding people that you allow to speak into your life to encourage you, to motivate you, to, you know, encourage you when things are difficult. It's easy for us to surround ourselves with encouragers who just encourage you and who just say you're amazing. But one of the things that I've found important for my life and just hearing, you know, from, from your story there is the importance of finding people who will tell you the truth and who will tell you, hey, maybe you're wrong here, but here's how you can fix it and encouraging you. And we all need those people in our life who are going to help us accomplish the things that we're going to go after in our life. And so it's interesting to hear teachers. The same thing for me, like the teachers have been a great impact in my life. I was sharing with you before that that, that one year in the school played such an incredible, you know, part of my story. You know, I, I mentioned Miss Small being one of those individuals, Mr. Black, who I came to the school because of him. And, you know, and there, I can go down the list of teachers who I felt believed in me. And like you said, went beyond just that class and knew more things about me and, and wanted to invest in the story of Adam, mm-hmm. right? Which is, uh, which is incredible. So I love, I love hearing that teachers influence or, or encouraged you along the way. Um, I won't ask about, about how you became a principal because you kind of shared a little bit. You kind of like were pushed into, guided into that. Um, but oftentimes as a student, we, uh, we know what the role of a principal it is, is, and that is to be annoying and, you know, <laughs> give us detentions and all that kind of stuff. But, um, what is it about, or what about your role do you wish you know, students knew that you had, like, what, what, what is it that you do that maybe others don't really know? Give us a little insight to being a principal. You know, somebody once told me you're, you're in charge of everything. You're responsible for everything, but in control of nothing. Yeah. You know, you just, you, you have my day to day is I, I walk in, I have this fictional to do list in my head and this place is a whirlwind yeah. and it takes over. Yeah. So obviously it's this uh, sense that, you know, everything has to operate properly. Everybody has to feel okay yeah. in the school. And when people don't, what's what can we do for them? There's the scheduling. There's the, you know, on Friday we were missing so many substitutes. Yeah. We were missing support staff. You just pitch in at that point. Uh, you're learning how to better support students with learning difficulties, but also learning how to motivate uh, kids to come to school, not just exclusively for the academics, but also for the experience, you know, and how we grow them. So it's very complex. Um, I can't say that it's boring. It's definitely not. It's the kind of job that's not routine. Yeah. So if you enjoy not routine, if you enjoy adrenaline, uh, this is the role for you. Um, You know, it's 
it's fun in the sense that my fun is the students still. I'm lucky that I have an office door that you don't have to bypass the secretary. You can just walk into my office when my door is open. Uh, adults walk into my office. Kids walk into my office all the time and say, I have this idea or I have this problem or so-and-so did this to me, you know, and and then we have a discussion. Um, it's a people job. So you, you said you love that your door is open. You love that kids can come and talk to you. And we'll get to being a principal in a pandemic in just a second. But in a normal school year, and there hasn't been one in the last couple of years, what is the difficult part of being a principal for you? Like, what is that part that you're like, not that, you know, where you think, oh, I hate doing this, right? But what is the the, the part that can weigh on your heart even? What is the difficult part of being a principal? I think... Part of it is um, getting the clear communication out. You know, sometimes you're you're writing an email and clarity is so, so, so important. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking to the students, again, now since the pandemic, we've learned about Zoom. So a lot of our assemblies, you know, within five minutes, we can be talking to the entire population. I think that communication piece is really important. We're a big building. We all want to be on the same page at the same time. Um, that's one of the difficulties. I think the other difficulty too is, you know, when you're dealing with human beings, there, it's a mini society. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be, uh, events that kind of, you know, derail, I guess, the, the, the day. And, uh, as a team, we get together, we brainstorm what's the best way of dealing with this event. I'm lucky in the sense that I have a lot of people to brainstorm with. Um, but sometimes it does get difficult because, you know, you ask yourself, is this the right uh, approach? You know, because there's pros and cons, but at some point somebody has to make a decision. Yeah. I can imagine it being difficult. Like you're not just thinking, I have staff. I have students, I have parents, like there's, it's a whole group of people that you not have to only make happy, so to speak, but meet the needs of so many different individuals. I can't imagine uh, being, a, being a principal. Um, it wouldn't be easy at all. Um, so now pandemic, we, we know, you know, across the world, we've been living in this pandemic and no matter what side of the of the, the debate you're on, you know, we know there's many out there. We, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about what is it like to be a principal in a pandemic? I, I think of my kids. I have four kids all in elementary school and, and, you know, I'd say half of their last couple of years have been online, you know, and, uh, it hasn't been easy. Parents upset and I was upset, you know, and you would just have like, trying to adapt to this whole new world as a parent, you know, with a kindergarten kid all the way up to, you know, grade seven. But being a principal, having to make sure, you know, staff are healthy and you have staff to replace them if they're not healthy. You know, I I mentioned to you before, I had one daughter, they were off for a week and a half and then she goes back, back at school for a day and then no teacher. So she's off for a few more days. It's a whirlwind. It's it's crazy. So what is it like for you? What have been the challenges? And and I obviously don't want you to get in trouble, you know, with, mm-hmm. with anything that maybe personally you would feel towards systems or ideas, but 
But what's it been like for you and maybe even for your staff, you know, teaching and, and leading in a pandemic? It's been learning to to work and live in the unknown. Mm-hmm. You know, when we shut down in March 2020, you know, we all thought, okay, two weeks. And yeah. none of us had planned for beyond that. None of us even knew what Zoom was at yeah. that point. You know, we couldn't even have imagined what was happening. Um, so it was a lot of that. Um Sometimes I feel like, you know, we're like a school of fish. You know, when you see fish and they're all going this direction, next yeah. day they're all going this yes. direction. Yes. And, but they're all following each other. But the, the, the switch, the, the, the turnaround it is so quick, um, that, that it's hard to keep up and it's hard to keep the guidelines straight. Mm-hmm. And there's just an overload of information. Safety has obviously been, you know, it's part of what weighs on every principle, uh, the safety of everyone, you know, the kids, the staff, yeah. everyone. And you add in a pandemic and mm-hmm. it just escalates that to, to a point that, yeah, it keeps you up at night. You know, yeah. I, I don't think there's any principle that has slept well since March 2020. Um, the other thing, too, is one of the things that would irk us a lot is, you know, things would leak out on the media and we'd get information on the media, let's say at 8.30 at night, mm-hmm. then your phone explodes no, because, you know, staff parent, or exactly. staff, a lot of people are texting you. You're like, oh, this is the new directive, effective tomorrow, but yeah. we haven't heard, you know? And then you're, I guess, the impression is that the leaders have to be the one rolling this out in, in a confident way, mm-hmm. yet we're also unprepared, scrambling, because yeah. we haven't had time to process or to come up with with, with a plan. So it's been a lot of uh, that piece. Um, but like I said, there's, you know, I feel like we can live with the unknown. We, yeah. We've shown it here that we're not where we were in March 2020. You know, we're in this Omicron wave and we're all here. Yeah. We're 1,750, by the way, students. Yeah. Wow. And you That's add incredible. 200 staff members. Yeah. So it's close to 2,000 people coming in every day, you know, scared, some of them, some of them, you know, excited because they get to see, you know, each other. But I think deep down, some deeper than others, um, everybody now has this gratitude yeah. of this is not a given, yeah. you know, and we never know when this fast fast yeah. is going to be taken away. Well, and, and that's what I was going to ask. Like, you know, you say to not take it for granted and, and that, but what have you learned about yourself and what do you think you're, you know, you've learned about your your staff, and even what have you learned more about students? You know, like I, the word resilient comes into play. The the you know create creative comes into play. But what a you know just briefly, what do you think you've learned about those that you work and lead? You know, here at uh, at Heritage, what have you learned about them, and even yourself? I've learned that their strength. Yeah, there's so much strength in people. Yeah. You know, for myself, I never saw myself as strong. Yeah. And I think COVID made me realize, you know, some days I'm like, oh, yeah. And and I see it 
everywhere. I see it in staff. I see it in students. I see the the importance of the humanity piece too. Yeah. You know, I I was seeing students taking care of each other. That's awesome. You know, last year, yeah. um, when when we shut down, I'm going to give you this quick story. Yeah. Uh, on December 20th, I went on the intercom again. I woke up coming with my to do <laughs> list, and rumors were circulating, and the premier made an announcement. Uh, I guess at one or noon that the the schools were shutting down effective the next day. And we had been given the heads up at 11 that morning. So I went on the intercom because we can't have 1,750 parents come and get their kids. That would cause a bottleneck, you know, and Shemay Chambouille would be backed up. So I gave the kids a heads up. We were permitted to, and I said, Pack up as much as your stuff to take home. Yeah. The school is shut. We don't know when we'll open again. Wow. So at the end of the day, we're at the buses. It's snowy. It's a snowstorm. There's not. There's probably only about 400 kids left. The rest have been picked up throughout the day. And there's a little girl, okay? She's tiny and she's carrying a big box full of her items but she's barely able to walk and I see like the buses are about to start rolling because there's hardly anybody waiting for them and then a boy a senior boy he's he comes he runs towards her they don't know each other he puts down his backpack he says I'm gonna help you he takes her bag he she runs to her bus. He runs with her, helps her put it. To me, that moment was everything. And that human piece is why I think we're open again and we need each other. And it's happening between adult and students and students and adult. It's, it's a two way thing. It's happening between students and students and adults and adults. And that is how we weave something Strong. What is a story like that that you just shared? What does that What does that do for you and 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 how you think about your job? Well, the whole staff knows that when I have a <laughs> when a moment like that happens to me, I'm uh, I guess I'm a re- reflective leader. I guess you would call it because I share with them. I share yeah. with them these corny stories yeah. of these moments that I've witnessed during the day because it it allows me to kind of pause step back from all the negativity and I won't lie to you Adam there's a lot of it and realize that there's so much magic and so much beauty in this this real thing that's happening you know these real moments that are happening that that will you know continue and probably be thought of for years to come I think some of my favorite you know social media is a very big part of our culture today and um, one of the things that both frustrate me and also make me smile are stories of people who help each other. Um, the ones that bother me are the ones that I feel are staged. Mm. But a moment that you captured, it wasn't somebody that organized that moment. It was natural. And it was truly that piece that says, you know, in a 
in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of, you know, people fighting on either side of, you know, what you believe and what you don't believe when it comes to the pandemic and we should be doing this and we should be doing that. There's this moment that takes place and it's those moments, those stories for me that says there still is hope, you know, in humanity, yeah. in people caring for one another. You know, they could come from two completely different backgrounds, but find a common need and people act and respond, I think is amazing. And I can, I don't blame you for being so taken back by, mm-hmm. by that moment. Um, you mentioned the number of students. How many students again are in this? 1750. School? 1750. It sounds like a lot more than when I was here. Um, 1750. Now, when I was here last, just, uh, end of November, beginning of December, I was here. And you shared with me, because I, I, again, I, my talk about, you know, what's your story and everybody has a story. And you mentioned something to me when, when we were just talking privately off to the side and how you mentioned at the end of the day, and you said it before, one of your favorite parts is when the school buses are leaving and not because if you're listening to this, not because the students are going home, it's like, finally, <laughs> but because you see 1700 plus students leaving that day. And you know that every single one of those students has a story. They go back to something. And maybe some of them, they go back to nothing. Mm-hmm. And there is pain. There's joy. There's, you know, sadness. There's healing taking. Like, there's so many elements to every one of those stories. And that's a lot of stories leaving your parking lot. What does that do to you knowing that the principal who essentially helps, you know, guide the, I guess, the culture of the school by saying yes to things and no to things and, you know, who you may hire or, you know, employ at your school and, you know, the different activities that take place that you say yes to. How does it feel to know that all of those individuals have stories that you have a part to play in that story? And how does that affect how you principal? I think, you know, when I look at these kids leave at the end of the day and the staff, we're all part of each other's story yes. during the weekday. Yes. That's the way schools work. And, and it's not 24 hours, but it's for a, a big chunk of hours. Yeah. We're part of each other's story. And at the end of the day, there, there's this piece of continuity that happens that, you know, maybe tomorrow I'll think of asking my teacher this. And the same is happening on teachers saying, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to ask Adam this. I forgot yeah. because this, this story continues even when we don't see yeah. each other yeah. uh, during a school year. Uh, there's this, you know, caring element that that's real. Mm-hmm. You know, this, the staff here, it, it I mean, the human resource is the most valuable resource and the, and the staff is so caring. Sometimes I have parents that tell me they don't want to send their kids here because the building is too big. Yeah. And I'm like, well, we can't do anything about the size of the building. Yeah. But I can tell you one thing. You walk into this building, you feel it. There's something. And, and I encourage kids, you know, that are not in high school yet, just walk into all the different high schools. You will know which one you belong yeah. to. And and it's that that's real, you know, kids thinking about teachers, even though they will never admit it, or teachers 
thinking about kids that goes on even when they're back home and with their families and their own respective lives. I know that that happens continuously. Um, and you're right. Some of them have very, very difficult stories, you know, when they go home and, you know, it, it's hard before the holidays because they have this, this, I don't want to go yet. I want to be here. But, you know, when they come back, we're, we're there to be able to, to support them in any way we can support them. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, I have two questions left. And both of them, I think, are are pretty reflective questions. You know, one of them very much so. But but this one I, I wrote down, and it's a tough one because we don't necessarily like to think that, and maybe you do, but that this career ends at some point. And we're not making an announcement today. She's not retiring after this podcast or anything. But at the end of your career, having been a teacher, having been a principal, how would you want students, staff to remember you? Like as a coworker, as a principal, like that they reflect back onto you. Like, you know, you know, we've talked numerous times about teachers that impacted me when I was here. I think about Mr. Black and our, our friendship through basketball that turned into, you know, a friendship off the court and, you know, the impact that some of the conversations we had, you know, and, uh, and then I think of Miss Small, for example. You know, those are the two names that always jump out. Somebody who has believed in me, and and I can go back and and appreciate who she was. But at the end of the day, at the end of the career that you've you've put into this school and to the, the lives of students and staff, what do you hope they say about you that, that they remember you as? That I listened to them. Yeah. And that I cared for them. Mm-hmm. And I would want them to know that they they matter to me. That truly, all of them, the students, you know, I always say their voice matters. They make us think. They made me think. The staff has made me think. The parents have made me yeah. think. You know, it's, you know, I have the privilege of being the principal of this school, but it, it, it's, you know, just this kind of role, you know, it, it's it's not only... For me, it's it's all these people that have reached out or spoken to me that have guided me to be to be the person that I am, and, and really hearing what people have to say. There's there's nothing like it. It's so 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 important. Mm-hmm. Bonus question that I wasn't going to ask. <laughs> it all ends after this podcast. Are you happy with your career? I have no regrets. I, I'm so lucky that I lived. I mean, I will have spent over three decades yeah. with the best group, the best age, which is teenagers. Yeah. You know, teenagers, they tell it to you as it is. They ha- they're not hypocrites. Yeah. They haven't learned the game yet. Yeah. And they're my favorite group of people. And I will always will be. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, now, um, I know you said to me in confidence that the 2000 grad was your favorite students, but um, <laughs> that may or may not be true. She may not have said that, um, but I have to think so. So last question, and it's a question that I, I, I love asking people. Um, I ask a different version of it to high school students, but to adults, I love to know this. If you can go back 
to high school you, whatever grade that might be, what would you tell high school Sue about life? Wow. High school Sue is a very different Sue. <laughs> she wouldn't believe I'd be speaking to you right now. Uh, I tell her, let people push you out of your comfort zone. It's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, don't resist. Just go with it and see where it leads you. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so good. Well, Sue, I want to thank you so much for being our very first guest on Humans of Heritage. Thank you. Uh, it's been a, it's been a joy. I know you said before we started that you're you're shy and and not <laughs> don't like being in front of the camera or or having your voice recorded like this, but you've done great and you shared thank some you. really good things. And I uh, again, you know, personally, I thank you um, one for for allowing me to live out my dreams and coming to speak here and being a part of this project, um, but also. Thank you for being a person who believes in students. I hear that in our conversation today, that you not only have a job, but you actually have a belief in students that they are capable of doing incredible things. And that there's one thing that I know is that students need people who believe in them. And so I I thank you for your belief in students and your willingness to do whatever it takes to, to see them find success. And, and thank you for these last two years of, persevering through a pandemic and and keeping your staff focused and encouraged during this time. And so um, I haven't spoken to them, but I'll still speak on their behalf and thank you for the hard work that you've done. So again, thank you for being our our guest. Um, If you're watching or listening and you are a part of Heritage, we want you to know that um, this podcast isn't just to create a podcast. It's to share a story. It's to share many stories, your story specifically. And so along this journey, along this, you know, the, the, the root of this project uh, with Humans of Heritage, uh, you may be asked to share your story or you may feel like you have a story to share. Maybe you're involved in community work. Maybe you found some success in sports or, or academic, whatever it might be that you have as a, that's a part of your story. We want you to share it. And so someone may, may nominate you. Someone may encourage you, uh, staff, student, whatever. And we would love for you to join us here in the studio and be a part of um, this podcast. And so I look forward to talking with many of you in the school and, uh, and helping create an even greater story to come out of this place. And so again, my name is Adam, your host for this incredible, incredible project, Humans of Heritage. And I can't wait to be with you for our next episode. Thank you and have a great day. Some people got the real problems. Some people lie to love. Some people think I can solve them.